1: Now for our story. In the bedroom of her suite in her father's house on 11th Street, Kit Mead was trying to read. But her mind wandered. She couldn't concentrate. Suddenly, she flung down her magazine impatiently, lit a cigarette, and prowled restlessly over to the window. She saw a quiet, tree-bordered street in a small American town. Too quiet, Kit thought, and too small. If only there was something to do, some way to escape, to get away from her thoughts. With an impatient shrug, she turned away and went to her dressing table. Looking into the mirror, Kit scrutinized her face, observing the lines around her mouth, the circles under her eyes, brought on by a recent relentless worry. Then her eyes wandered to the walls of the room.
2: This house is like a dungeon. I'm in a prison here. There's no escape. This town, this house. I'm trapped here because of Lisa's baby. If only I were out of this whole mess... I keep going over it in my head. The baby, Lisa. Suppose she changes her mind. I've got to get legal possession of that baby before she does change. If Dad ever found out what I've done, found out the child isn't his grandson at all, he'd never forgive me. Then I'd have nothing. Lisa's checked out of the hotel. She's gone, I shouldn't worry. And yet... I can't get her face out of my mind. The way she looked when she left. Oh, I've got to stop thinking. Get out of this house. But there's nowhere to go. Ah, yes. Yes, there's the circus room. There's always the circus room.
1: As Kit sat at the bar in the Brown Palace Hotel, her second highball glass standing empty, the door opened and Nicholas Dorn strode in, ordered a drink. As he lifted his glass, he noticed Kit.
0: Well, this is getting to be a habit. Mind if I join you? Oh, not at all.
2: Sit down, Mr. Dorn.
0: Oh, the secret is out, then. I'm no longer the mysterious stranger.
2: Oh, I've had my men shadowing you for
0: days.
2: (laughs) I knew we'd uncover the
0: truth before it was too late. You don't say. Well, it must have been a dull job for them. You know, but the whole story isn't known yet. I'm really the youngest son of the Rajah of Tatapu. The name Dorn is just a convenience... Keeps people from begging me for my autograph all the time.
2: A likely story, sir.
0: Look, if we're taking the masks off, what about you? You know we ought to start out even.
2: All right, I'll tell you. But prepare for a shock. I'm braced. Very well. Mr. Dorn, allow me to present myself. Kit Mead.
0: Kit... Well, I'll be. Well? Well, what?
2: Aren't you going to draw your cloak about you and get away from contamination?
0: Oh, no, no, I'm made of sturdy stuff. I'll stand my ground.
2: Oh, you're a brave man.
0: Not brave. brave, exactly. Just driven by scientific curiosity.
2: Am I about to be dissected? Or did you intend collecting me for a specimen?
0: Well, I don't need another specimen. I left a perfectly good example of the species in Hollywood name of Julie. Of course, you're somewhat different at that.
2: I am? In what way?
0: Well, you see, she wasn't the man-eating variety.
2: Man-eating it? Well, that gives me a rough idea of the sort of stories you've been hearing about me. Does it? Yes. Yes, and I think it's safe to say you needn't believe everything you hear.
0: Perhaps. Still, my stories came from a very good source.
2: Oh? I suppose you regard your source as unquestionable. Naturally, you mean Aunt Mary and Peggy. Yes,
0: I do. I'd stake my somewhat worthless life in anything Aunt Mary said.
2: Oh, well, there's no point in my arguing that issue. One thing about Aunt Mary fans, you can't reason with them.
0: On the contrary. I consider myself very open-minded. So you're Kit Mead.
2: Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, maybe you'd better order another drink. Awfully good for snake bite, they say.
0: Oh, I'm not worried. I carry my own antitoxin.
2: Oh, really? What is it, a secret formula?
0: Oh, no, no. Anyone can get it who wants to take the risk. You see, I've acquired immunity to your sort of menace. I built it up after years of exposure.
2: Your friend Julie again?
0: Yes. Some ways, that girl did me a lot of good. She forced me to look disaster in the eye and recognize it. I'll never be caught in the same trap again.
2: It seems to me you're being rather harsh. After all, I've done you no harm. In fact, the worst I did was to give you some excellent advice. Remember? I'm the one who advised you not to stick your neck out. Not to marry someone you didn't love.
0: I was just thinking about that.
2: <laughs> Good joke on me, wasn't it?
0: In a way. At least I imagine you wouldn't have been so helpful if you'd known we were discussing my possible marriage to Peggy Douglas. Oh,
2: well, hardly. But I notice you seem to have followed my suggestion. I haven't heard the sweet ringing of wedding bells.
0: I didn't say we were getting married immediately.
2: Oh, perhaps not, but... At the time, there seemed to be a certain amount of urgency in your desperation.
0: Just my moody nature. It's probably one of my days to suffer.
2: Then perhaps you still intend to go through with it?
0: Perhaps. In any case, you needn't feel responsible. A lot of things happened. By the way, I met your husband, Bill. Was
2: that one of the things that happened? To change your mind about marrying Peggy?
0: Look, I haven't said I've changed my mind.
2: All right, all right, all right, so you won't give. Well, what did you think of honest John?
0: If you mean Bill, I liked him a lot.
2: Oh, he's a fine Sterling character. Yes, indeed. Bill's the sort of man who always pays his library fines promptly. Forms a column to the left in crowded theater lobbies. Takes his hat off in elevators.
0: Anything wrong with that?
2: Oh, no, not a thing, really. Just a bit on the dull side.
0: Why did you marry him? I can't see you going for him in the first place.
2: Well, I'll tell you. I was curious. Curious? Yes. Yes, I wanted to see whether he was made of flesh and blood or stuffed with old copies of the Rover Boys series.
0: Mrs. Meade, why don't you get hefty yourself? You're not fooling anyone.
2: I suppose you want me to tell you that Bill was the finest thing that ever came into my life. But before I met him, I was less than nothing.
0: You're but... quite a wise guy, aren't you?
2: Yes. Yes, I am. Wiser than you think. At least I don't intend to bare my soul to some casual stranger I met in Navarre. Why should I tell you my reasons for marrying Bill Mead?
0: You don't need to. I know the answers already. You married Bill because Peggy was in love with him. Gave you a pleasant feeling of power to feel you could snatch Bill away from her.
2: Well, at least you'll have to admit I succeeded
0: for a while. But look at you now. You're all tied up in knots because you can't stand facing the fact that Bill got fed up with you first. You're the sort of woman who can't stand to lose a man, whether you really want him or not.
2: Look, why don't you go back to Hollywood and write yourself a nice B picture? This sort of thing is beyond your depth.
0: You fancy yourself as quite a siren, don't you? A combination of Scarlet O'Hara and Amber, with a dash of Madame Pompadour thrown in. And really, you're just the spoiled daughter of the richest man in a small town. You haven't done a thing in all your life. It's
2: perfectly clear whose thumb you're under. Just covered with virtue, aren't you? That special smug kind they dispense out at the Lane Farm.
0: A little of the same wouldn't hurt you a bit, my friend. You don't want your husband, Mrs. Mead? Why don't you give him up?
2: Hmm. They've even got you to the point of cutting your own throat with an angelic smile on your face. Don't you realize what would happen if I gave Bill up? Really set him free? I think I do. Yes, and so do I. Bill and Peggy would fly under each other's arms.
0: They might. Suppose they did.
2: You mean to say you'd like that? After the song and dance you gave me the first time
0: we met? I forgot to tell you something, Mrs. Mead. Time you found this out, too. Everybody in the world isn't looking out for his own skin the way you are. That I doubt. It's true, just the same. There actually exist in this screwy world some people who care about what happens to the other guy.
2: And you're one of these, Sir Galahads, is that it?
0: I'm no Galahad now, but at least I... I'm I'd... not
2: admitting you're right about anything you've said. In fact, you've no idea how wrong you are. But as to giving Bill his freedom... <laughs> you well, know, maybe if you're fool enough to think you could risk it, it would serve you right. Maybe I'll do it, just to see what happens.
1: Kit left then. She'd been affected by Nicholas Dorn's merciless contempt. But it wasn't like Kit to let him know this. She walked out with her usual arrogant bearing. Nicholas looked after her, sighed heavily. It depressed him when he thought of Peggy and how this girl's cruelty had hurt her. It never occurred to him then that Kit Mead's last remark had been anything but flippant. And yet, perhaps Kit was more serious than Nicholas knew.